Welcome to Generations Unbound, navigating higher education and parental expectations. The podcast where we explore the ways in which past traumas and societal expectations shape our lives today. In this episode, we'll be hearing from a student at the University of Warwick who will share their experiences with generational trauma and the challenges they face in navigating higher education and parental expectations. As we know, the impact of historical events such as war, colonisation and discrimination can have lasting effects on individuals and communities. These traumas can be passed down through generations, affecting our attitudes, behaviours and relationships. And when it comes to pursuing higher education, the weight of these expectations can be especially heavy. We'll hear from students who have struggled with balancing the demands of their studies with the expectations of their families who may have sacrificed so much to see their children succeed. So join us as we listen to the stories of these students who are breaking the cycle of trauma and forging new paths for themselves. This is Generations Unbound. Hello and welcome to Generations Unbound. Today I'm joined by a student from the University of Warwick. Would you like to introduce yourself? So hi everyone, this is Yi. I'm now a second year student from the University of Warwick. I'm now studying law degree. Great, and I'm your host, Sophie. I'm also a second year at the University of Warwick and I study media and creative industries. So do you want to share like maybe what you understand by the term generational trauma and how do you see it like manifest in your family and community? Um, sure, Sophie. So as far as I'm concerned, like, I feel like tra- generational trauma consists of two parts. So one mm. part is kind of the obvious one where there is kind of previous influence on your parent on your parents parenting style and also there can be can be like hidden wounds on your parents subconsciousness where they're just like kind of implement into your grown-up expectations and I think in terms of my family like um, I'm going to share my experience how in how the cultural revolution in China experienced my family especially my father's side and also in terms of community I think because growing up in the 20th century where China has experiencing the fast growth in the economy where everybody thinks knowledge is a key to success and people Mm -hmm. want to get higher degree of education Mm -hmm. but this kind of anxiety that imposed from the whole society kind of is passed on generations to us. Yeah. And the Gen Z generations are, you know, more people from China are, are going abroad and mm-hmm. there's kind of like a high intensity of competitiveness um, yeah. within the student community. And that's far as far as I'm concerned and I, I've encountered with. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, for myself, I've spent my whole life living in the UK. Mm-hmm. I've actually lived in the same hometown my entire life, the same house. So when I came to university, there was almost never a doubt that I wouldn't go to university. Oh. But it was for different reasons to perhaps maybe your experiences growing up in China, where, um, yeah, for example, my mum, mm-hmm. she went to university, but my dad didn't. And so it was really my mum who was pushing me, go to university, go to university. Like, I want you to go to the best possible university for the degree that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, That's kind of interesting because your mother, despite the pressure from her, she mm. still wants you to go to the degree that you are passionate about. Yeah. You know, like most parents from the China just want their mm. kids to go to or business school or whatever, like to yeah. study kind of like stuff commercially related or let's say just money driven or money related so that's kind of like the different expectation it's kind of nuanced but Mm. still the pressure stems from different aspects yeah (laughs) yeah would you say that your choice of degree was influenced by your parents or was it solely you were passionate about law and they were happy for you to pursue it well i would definitely say it has the influence of my parents because my father is a lawyer Mm -hmm. so okay (laughs) classic (laughs) (laughs) but still because i find myself no interest in uh economics or any like business school related subjects and mm. i have no talents in math or uh, math or let's say engineer and same right i'm so bad at math exactly <laughs> i was originally wanted to do journalism or actually media right. but then i realized that because i'm trying to kind of like fulfill my commitments and a better like social change in china which mm-hmm. can't really be made by media because we mm-hmm. don't really have that much media freedom right, in our yes, country yes. so i do just feel like studying law will be a suit of my uh, personal interest as mm-hmm. well as for practical you practical like career purpose yeah how have you found the degree so far at work 
from my personal experience yeah. it was hard like mm-hmm. but because firstly it's i'm an international student yeah and law is kind of like it's very content based yeah. you have to like learn and read a lot like mm. that was very hard for me in the first place yeah and imagine. also like i can't i find myself kind of hard to cope the intense drop composition like mm. from the law school i don't know do you find it in your degree in terms of like media and um i would say maybe not to the same extent i've it was interesting because up until maybe like one two years before i started my degree I didn't even see myself doing a media degree. Oh. I was actually more sat down, like maybe doing English or history or something like that. And it wasn't until I started doing my A-levels here in the UK mm-hmm. and I realised I didn't want to do history because the, sub- the like subject topics were like Henry VIII and <laughs> World War One. I. I was like, oh my goodness, not again. I've been learning about this for my whole life. Like, why do I have to study it again? Um, I wanted to drop it. And mm-hmm. I was like, what am I going to study as my third A-level instead? Mm-hmm. And um, my friend was like, oh, I'm doing media, like come along to a media lesson. And I went along and I think I had like a preconceived like stereotype of mm-hmm. the type of people who took media. You know, <laughs> they're not intelligent, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now here I am as a media That's student. That's absolutely you know? not true. Yeah, it's not true. <laughs> um, and I sort of feel like now that I'm a media student, I want to change that perception. Mm-hmm. You know, it was when, when I told family members, it was always, oh, it wasn't, oh, that's so exciting. It was... How are you going to make money? Yeah. How are you going to get a job? Classic question. And, and I'd say, what would your family's like answers when you said you were going to go train to be a lawyer? Mm. What, what did they say to you? Was it? Well, my actually, that was very funny because my relatives asked me to do media instead. Oh, really? <laughs> because they said like law is such a, um, what I say, a technical subject where you yeah. can only do lawyers or any related mm. legal field in future. But if you study media, you can basically go every field. Yeah. And because of the internet, you know, like yeah. every every parts of industry needs media. Yeah. So that's kind <laughs> of like a reverse version. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy because... Mm. Um, yeah, my photography teacher at A level, he really like encouraged me to like go down a creative path. Uh-huh. Um, it's really lovely because I've gone back to my school and like done talks to students. Oh, and, really? Yeah, so it's been a re- it's been really nice. That I've had that support. Um, yeah. And obviously, my mum, she was a little bit, you know, worried at first about, oh, you know, media. Where can that take you? But once she found out that I could go to a Russell Group and study <laughs> media, she was she was such a fan. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> wonderful prestige and a degree you like. <laughs> I, w- I will accept that. That is very classic. But you are definitely breaking it. A- stereotype i mean we're talking about generational trauma so Mm. yeah would you say that um choosing warwick because of the like prestige it has internationally was like an influence when you decided to go go here well it's kind of i'm not really particular like choosing warwick for its prestige but like more i'm more into for first of all i feel like it's a very new school Mm. so i'm kind of bored of the old you know um, the the illiterism stuff yeah. in Russell group, particular yeah. like Russell group uni. Yes. You get what I mean. Yeah, I do, and yeah. as international students, um, I'm not a great fan of that. And yeah. um, secondly, it's all of practical reasons because studying law requires a um a, a, a test called L Lnet. And oh, Warwick, Warwick yeah. doesn't require the marks of Alabama. Oh. <laughs> so you were like, yes, wow. please. Yeah, yes, please. <laughs> Wonderful. That's so interesting. So the application process for you when you were coming to the University of Warwick, was mm-hmm. that just a personal statement and... A-levels. A-levels. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So like, for example, in contrast, for my degree here at the University of Warwick, you actually have more um, hoops you have to jump through. I oh. had to submit a portfolio of yeah. creative work. Yeah. Um, I then had an interview... And a, and a group task oh. all before I even got given an offer obviously I had to do my personal statement and get my A-levels as well are you applying for UAL or whatever <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so my friends were always surprised when I was like oh yeah by the way I've had an interview for my and they were like you get interviewed for a media degree I thought media was for dumb people <laughs> that's, 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 definitely not true. that's definitely not true so um, yeah so I think people are always surprised when I say that because it get, does in some ways it gives my course like a degree, degree of like oh like elitism like oh you've got to do all these things mm-hmm. um what about you is uh, law quite a i i don't i i don't rip it because we have a you know volume of 300 students per year so mm. i'm not really sure like yeah. how many students drop out <laughs> but i feel like i'm nearly dropping out but like <laughs> i'm on the edge <laughs> <laughs> just saying yeah you have a very niche like 
department as mm. first consul. Is that a new? I think there's a new degree like opened by University of Fork, right? It's a new yes. degree program. Yeah, it is. Um, We're turning this podcast into <laughs> Warwick Uni <laughs> advertisement. Yeah, come to Warwick. <laughs> come it's to Warwick. Super amazing. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's important to discuss like university options because yeah. that kind of that can be influenced a lot by your parents. Yeah. Um, I know that my mum she she always wants the best for me and because I performed particularly well academically at mm-hmm. A level she was like why don't you just apply to Oxford or Cambridge mm-hmm. you know just choose something you know the options like Oxford and Cambridge really for me were either English literature or history of art oh you can't do film you can't do media they don't offer oh those options gosh. so I was like do I apply like maybe I should and actually one of my friends who did who did English with me and photography at A level she applied for English at Oxford and she got in which is great for uh, her yes. but she again she was like I don't think I'm going to get in, you know. I'm coming from a state school, you know. Uh, yes, I'm predicted A stars, but I really don't stand a chance. Uh, and in the end, I didn't want to apply because I was like, I'm going to put myself through so much stress. And yeah, I'm not passionate about yeah, going there. Yeah. There's that, you know, obviously international students experience it differently. But for British students, mm-hmm. going to Oxford and Cambridge is still very much seen as like, you have made it, you know. Yeah. People don't think about... Oh, <laughs> After I, all years of suffering yeah, yeah. from your parents and family, <laughs> you've made it. You've made it. You don't think about oh I need to get a job afterwards you know it's like oh finally you're at the elite unis in the UK the peak of your life exactly <laughs> nothing can get better than this <laughs> same for, for same for international students as well but right, like yeah. I think I'm just overwhelmed by studying literature in Oxford just mm. simply stating the fact it's just yeah. getting me overwhelmed you know thinking about the stress Yes. Yeah. No, I've spoken to my friend a few times since she started and it's always been like interesting just hearing she's like, Oh yeah, I've got to I have to do a whole module on medieval English and I hate uh, medieval English but uh, I have no choice and <laughs> it sounds it I think yeah, there's a lot to be said about studying at like Oxford and Cambridge. Um but there's also a lot to be said about, you know, us going to Warwick University. Yeah. It's, you know, it's regularly ranks in the top 10 universities mm-hmm. in the country. And a lot of that is down to like how academically rigorous yeah. they say they are. But I do feel like no no one can make their perfect choice when they were like, you know, 20s or whatever. Yeah. When they're go- like, yeah. uh, there is always going to be some opportunity cost, but mm. it's always worthwhile for you yeah. to find your like true path. Um, let's go into a bit more about um, your childhood. Sure. What, what would you say were some of the experiences and maybe perhaps traumatic events that have been passed down from previous generations to your own? So basically, I'm going to start example of uh, the Cultural Revolution starting from the 1960s of China. This mm-hmm. is basically a political event that um, the political leader at that time, Mao, leaded, um, which blamed the educated class especially middle class at that time into the extreme left uh, right list mm-hmm. and just basically bring them back into the rural areas of china for example yeah. xinjiang where my grandma was in mm-hmm. and just ask them to for example f- do farming at local areas and also do some teaching stuff yes. where my my grandmother was a teacher in xinjiang at that time right so basically um because uh, my grandmother and my grandfather mm-hmm. father met at Xinjiang, but because of totally different reasons. So my grandmother went to Xinjiang because of Cultural Revolution, yeah. but my grandfather went there because they ha- she, he has no jobs in other richest area in China. Okay. So they yeah. had she has to go back to mm-hmm. Xinjiang. Yeah. So you can see they're coming from totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, I'm not going to you know characterize their marriage yeah. but i would say that it doesn't really last a very positive effects on mm-hmm. how my father treated uh female as well as his attitude towards marriage and parenting mm-hmm. style yeah. i'm sure that because my grandfather has a drinking problem so mm-hmm. my father has been beaten a lot when he was right. a child yeah. so i remember one thing because when i was a, growing up as a child i was a picky eater mm. and my father like beat me up so hard right just because I I I choose not to like eat a dish that he cooked. Yeah, and it was it was kind of miserable for mm-hmm. me as a child, especially yeah. I was so young, and it wasn't even a very you know negative events. Not because I'm doing something wrong or mm-hmm. naughty. It's just because yeah. I'm being a picky eater. Yeah, that's yeah. who I am. Yeah. So <laughs> so you can see from this single event that mm-hmm. my father has been a harsh parent when mm-hmm. growing up when I when I was growing up, mm-hmm. but. Um, I can say that because I, I had a very, should I say, 
uh, stressful and tenuous relationship with my father when yeah. I was puberty. Yeah. Like he even I quoted from my father, aka. Yeah. So basically, he just said like, if you were a computer, it would be best for me because I can just delete the programs in your computer. All in all, and just <gasps> restore a new one. Oh my goodness! That's honestly very harsh. Yeah, <laughs> but like, wow. but like, he also guided me with some positive、mm. changes in my in my life because、yeah. he is kind of he is very determined with his goals.、Mm. So he is a great role example for me to overcome my challenges. I'm not、yeah. going to say that I have a you know. I have a traumatized dad. That, that's true. But、yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say he is a bad character or whatever、yeah. because I'm so grateful for him coming into my life. Yeah. And I have a I ha- I'm having a good relationship with him right now. But like,、yeah. still, that's kind of the funny things that I experience. Not funny. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> super funny. Wow. <laughs> that was a classic example of traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just you you naturally minimize it, don't you? You just go, oh, you know, that's just like a funny funny example、yeah. when really. It's, yeah. I mean, I've experienced things、mm-hmm. as well where, you know, again, my father, for different reasons,、mm-hmm. wasn't particularly emotionally present. He never really cared that much about my education.、Mm-hmm. He didn't even really care that much about what I got up to my everyday life.、Mm-hmm. There was never much attention paid. So I would say, in some ways, I've paid for that sort of emotional trauma that I've、mm-hmm. received from him, where、yes. it was just complete. Although he was physically present、mm-hmm. at the house. It, He never actually gave me any emotional support growing、yeah. up, which then meant I didn't have much of a father figure, which has obviously led to on to its own issues. It's still、um, very hard for a child to suffer kind of like this kind of alienation. Yeah,、mm. yeah, yeah. I'd say that's yeah, that's part of it.、Um, but yeah, I think it's important to remember that you know, the ninety nine point nine percent of human beings are multifaceted. They're going to have good <laughs>、yeah. elements to them, bad elements,、exactly. and for some people, those bad elements are sometimes you know not. Being the best parent, exactly. But you've got to remember that you know that's come from their own traumatized past. Exactly. So how can we not replicate that? Exactly. That's kind of the thing that、um, the reason why I choose、mm. to kind of like forgive the past,、mm. like wrongs that my father did to me, or、yeah. like his harsh words, because I I genuinely believe that.、Um, first of all, everybody wants to be loved and wants to give love,、yeah. but it's just some traumatized or. Like hidden wounds that、mm. I mentioned before,、yeah. kind of block their expression of love、mm. towards their next generations.、Yeah. So, like I, I remember that, like because I had a very hard time and emotional difficulty when、mm. I was childhood because of the tensions like relationship with my father.、Mm. I had, I had, um, I had great anxiety problems and stuff、yeah. like that. And still, I feel like after growing up and walking back into my childhood, I、mm-hmm. still see my father as the kind of role model. And the kind of minimization is not out of self protection. It was really feeling like my father. He is also a person, has、yeah. his wrongs and goods. And、mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard for us to take all of our parents. Character as a child because you just、yeah. feel like your father or mother is everything in your world, yes, and it's、yeah. just everything. Every words they do, they、mm-hmm. say, it's just so important、mm-hmm. and just determine who you are.、Yeah. But growing up as an adult, I feel like I'm having much more strength.、Mm-hmm. And、um, what should I say? The kind of growing up as an adult now, I just feel like I have so much ground capacity and strength、mm-hmm. to、yeah. welcome my parents. To be who they are,、mm-hmm. and just embrace them with love. Yeah, yeah. I think as you sort of, you make that transition to university, or you know, even into adulthood, if you、yes. do decide to go to university,、mm-hmm. you start to reflect on your childhood more. Because when you're a child,、yeah. you either see your parent as completely bad or completely good. Honestly, and you really struggle to see them as like fully faceted human beings. Exactly, because you sort of hold them on this like podium of like they're my parents, like、yeah. you know they can do no wrong. Yeah, and and then you suddenly you grow up and you know. Like I talk to my mum a lot, and I hear like about the stresses she has at work and the、mm-hmm. people she's dealing with, and you know,、yeah. and it's is in a way it's sort of nice to know that they're not sort of one dimensional human beings、exactly. that I saw when I was a child. <laughs> exactly, you know, they have like their own thoughts and everything, but it can also be hard to deal with because. Yeah, you know, you start to reflect on、yeah. experiences you've had in your own childhood. Exactly, I feel like that's very important because.、Mm. Go, the reason why generation tra- generational trauma is so important for us to reflect upon,、yeah. because it's just affecting us so deeply in our subconsciousness,、yeah. and it just manifests when every times we c- encounter you know difficulties,、mm. we just feel like, for example, when I was 
when I was um, in a relationship, yeah, um, I'm easily gaslighted before because I had、mm. really low self esteem,、yeah. and I just like growing up as a child, I took、mm. my father's criticism as it was a fact, it was a dictum, yeah, like I, obviously, <laughs> and I just have such a low self esteem, and、yeah. it just affects me so much in future relationships.、Mm. And after reflecting upon how I was treated and how it was not true, or、mm. it was like. But my parents' com comments are sometimes not true,、mm. and my parents' comments comments are sometimes out of their own perception, which is、yeah. not always true. Yes, and、yeah. I just feel like I'm I'm so much empowered by、mm. by by reflection upon、yeah. the past experience. Yeah, totally. Like I'm in a relationship right now,、mm -hmm. and the amount of like I feel like internal growth I've made、yeah. in terms of like thinking about my past traumas and how that's impacting like. How I react in my relationship, you know,、yes. how I communicate with my boyfriend, the ways I react when maybe he does something that he doesn't know is wrong,、mm -hmm. but either I will, you know, in in, in my experience, I tend to shut down.、Mm -hmm. You know, I just tend to be like, oh, okay, well they've done that. You know,、mm -hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk to him. <laughs> I would say in some ways, you know, have you heard of like the、uh, the attachment styles? You've got、yeah. the avoidant、yeah. and the anxious. Yeah. I sometimes feel like I'm a bit of both、mm -hmm. because I both seek that validation in a relationship,、yeah. but then also when something triggers me, I automatically don't want to like、yes. talk to them. I don't want to communicate. Totally. But of、relate. course, communication is like a huge part of being in a relationship.、Yeah. If you don't communicate, <laughs>、yeah. it's gonna fall apart. Yes. So,、um, but I I did I had a a, a extreme like avoidant and anxious、mm. attachment type before as well. So、yeah. I can totally relate what you're saying. Yeah. But I just feel like it's just so great that you still have an opportunity to constantly reflect yourself.、Mm. And sometimes I just even feel like. Um, as long as you have realized that you are this kind of person, and、yeah. communication is the key, as you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. it's just very, it's just much more easier for you to get、mm. the first step to,、exactly. like you know, out of your own comfort zone、mm. and just change to be another person that you are more comfortable with. Yeah, that's yeah. just too great. Yeah,、mm -hmm. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, generational trauma impacts everything. Yeah, you know, your education, your relationships. Everything. And the more you reflect upon it, and the more you perhaps you choose, if you if you're able to seek professional help from a therapist, yes, the more you can learn to understand that and cope with that and cope with it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so let's move on to the next question,、mm -hmm. which is, have you made any conscious efforts to break the cycle of generational trauma in your family? And if so, what have been some of those challenges or successes that you've experienced? Okay, sorry, sorry, Dad. I'm going to stick on with the example <laughs> of my father because、yeah. it's just more easier for me. Yeah. So, um, again, after mentioning the the kind of like the harsh, the harsh treatment from my dad when I was puberty,、mm. it was it was hard for me to talk with him or just、yeah. you know embrace him as a father in the first place. Especially,、yeah. I'm experiencing emotional difficulties. Yeah. But. Um, somehow, like, I don't know, like, how do you find your poverty? Because somehow, I just find like, as long as I'm still alive, like every day and day,、yeah. I just feel like I'm more strengthened, and I just feel like I gain more power as who、mm. I am, and I just suddenly get the strength looking back and just communicate with him.、Yeah. And、uh, I'm going to say that、uh, my I because my I I live in a divorced family,、right. and、uh, I I have a brother that.、Mm -hmm. Comes from my father's family,、yeah. and I just feel like my younger brother is the angel sent from heaven to、yeah. break our cycle of generational trauma. <laughs> <laughs> because because of the because I got a chance to talk about my、mm. father's parenting style when he was parenting my younger brother,、yeah. and because my father, firstly,、um, I got a great relationship with my younger brother. So same, like, so do、right? I have a younger brother. Yeah, yeah we got on really we, we get on really well. You know,、well, we we always like messaging and what's the age gap like? Um, so he. Seventeen, so he's like two and a half years younger than me. Wow, that's why you're messaging like my my younger brother is like seven thirteen years younger than me. Oh wow! Like、okay. six years old. Like yeah, <laughs> it was,、oh、it was wild. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just so great to have the kind of like the the. The small guy, like growing up the same、mm. with your same childhood with you,、yeah. and you can have sort of re reflection upon, and、yeah. you can see so many similarities,、mm. but also difference. Because I feel like、um, after seeing my growth and seeing me having such a great relationship with my younger brother, my father is sort of reflecting upon himself as well, and he sort of he is much more gentle when he was treating my younger brother now yeah, because yeah. you know. 
people change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also like when I was like seventeen mm -hmm. and when I was doing A levels and yeah. I was totally dependent on my parents, mm -hmm. I gotta do all the decisions according to their favors because yeah you're living dependent on them like yeah what yeah. to think about uh but like when i'm stepping into university i feel like my father just told suddenly take all the um charges back on me and just saying that you taking charge of your own stuff and i won't mm. interfere like yeah. you just t make your own decisions and be responsible for it that's all mm. but still despite he's stating that like yeah. despite he's trying to be open parents he's, yeah. he's sometimes not mm. especially when it comes to you know stuff like career options he's yeah. a lawyer so right. he always want me to do what he yes. says to do because yeah. he thinks that's true yeah very patriarchic <laughs> 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 but like I'm trying to communicate with him and mm -hmm. use like firstly like it's kind of it's very true that you are saying that communication is a key to the relationship mm -hmm. and that's how I find with my father yeah. because you have to kind of like rate my father is kind of like a cat you have to firstly calm <laughs> him and yeah. saying that you're great you're doing that well yeah. and now i'm going to talk something serious with you yeah but don't be like don't be mad at me because yeah. i'm just a child i'm just bullshitting around and you yeah. don't take serious of it yeah. okay yeah. and then like i'll just i'll just communicate with him with his own way mm -hmm. in a way that he accepted it yeah and way in a way that i can show my appreciation to him without him trying to tell me what is right or what is wrong mm. like i think it's the kind of thing that um if you just talk to him with your respect he doesn't need to further show his respectful words to you to mm. prove anything you know yeah. so i think it's just more easier for me to communicate with him mm. and just to tell him especially in, in terms of my career path and how to parent yeah. my, my my younger brother i just yeah. felt like he is much more calm confident and gentle yeah. in dealing with our us as kids yeah and i just felt like that's a huge success for me yeah but there's still like i'm still marching on a like long journey yeah. imagine he living with his uh past trauma in like 15 years mm. sorry that <laughs> 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 it's just it must be hard for him as well mm. to change into a totally different character because that's all he's really ever known and yeah it's the same for my dad i don't think he's ever really critically evaluated his childhood yes. and the impact it had on him because maybe also the fact that you know our parents I don't know about you but my parents are in like their early 50s mm -hmm. and um, so they grew up with the introduction of technology mm -hmm. but like not to the same extent that we have where like the internet was almost yes. available as soon as we were oh, as soon as we were born we mm -hmm. could use the internet obviously now it's much much easier to use the internet yes. than when we were like five mm -hmm. but I think that you know talking about and being aware of generational trauma wasn't something that was really available to them yes you know it wasn't i think also with my dad's um not his his education he mm -hmm. went to private school mm -hmm. but he didn't actually finish with many um qualifications he only got like two gcse's mm -hmm. he dropped out of his a levels he mm -hmm. never went to uni he went straight into the police force mm -hmm. and so he never really i don't know he didn't really develop those skills of like critically evaluating yeah. like his experiences which is sort of sad and i have tried to bring it up with him before and unfortunately i just don't think he's at that stage where he's ready to think about those things maybe mm -hmm. in the future when mm -hmm. i'm more of an adult and maybe he sees me more as like a yeah person of equal status to him yeah because at the moment i think he's still he's trying to see me as an adult because mm -hmm. you know he knows i have a boyfriend and stuff and mm -hmm. that's something that I think it took life. A, it took a, yeah it took a while for him to get his head around i left mm -hmm. it i left him till last when telling my family about my relationship mm -hmm. my mum knew from the night i met my boyfriend oh. that like i really <laughs> like this guy and my brother found out about a month and a half later mm -hmm. but my dad didn't find out till like two and a half months <laughs> and so and it was because i was worried about his reaction you know uh, and yeah. i was so worried that when my boyfriend came around for the first time last summer yeah. how he would treat my boyfriend you know what the especially he's an italian like totally different yeah no i culture. was worried also about that yeah. because again in british culture especially with people um you know haven't really been exposed to a lot of like cultural diversity mm -hmm. my dad go did go into the police force you know mm -hmm. he met a lot of in he, he was worked in london so mm -hmm. again there's a lot of cultural diversity there but i would still say he has some of those racist mm -hmm. like um yeah just racist ideas and impressions uh, in his head yes. about particular things so my main concern was him saying something racist accidentally in front of my boyfriend <laughs> that would be, so, <laughs> be a disaster yeah so yeah that was like a main concern but 
yeah i would say i it sounds like from like what you've spoken about that you're making pro- progress with your dad at the moment i would say for me personally i i'm more open to talking to my mum about mm-hmm. maybe some of like the trauma that maybe he is because she she knows so much about him they've been mm-hmm. together for so long mm-hmm. but i feel like if my dad it's still not not quite there it's yet. all right <laughs> he's good on his own that's yeah, why exactly. he don't need to reflect upon themselves but yeah. i think that good yeah. that's why i said like i think the younger brother is the angel sent from heaven because mm. he is so young and yeah. like he just happened to grow up when i i'm already semi-adult mm. and i ha- i happen to you know being able to communicate with my dad yeah and i think that's that's the kind of the the, the chance in my life to finally communicate with my father about yeah. his past mm. but it's just the turning point of both my lives and his lives yeah. but maybe your turning point is not there but yeah, it it, it's it completely yeah. fine it's yeah. honestly completely fine yeah and also i do feel like i think it's interesting to you to say like it's e- same same status or equal status mm. i think that's particularly true especially for male is that yeah right like yeah i i feel like yeah i feel like with like father-daughter relationships yeah yeah it is interesting i i can't i can't really comment much on like the psychology of all because i don't study (laughs) psychology but um actually in a in a in a later episode guys if you tune in (laughs) we'll be talking to an education specialist so yeah just keep on (laughs) (laughs) yeah so let's move on to maybe more society as a whole would you say that maybe Chinese society because you can comment on that because mm-hmm. of your background is becoming more aware of the impact of generational trauma and do you see any positive changes happening in response to that um, so basically I will divide my answer into two parts mm. I feel like I'm having an A-level economics <laughs> <exam>. <laughs> so um, speaking for the cultural revolution mm. I would say that it's the changes there are changes but not necessarily all positive because mm. you know chinese political system are very volatile and really depends on the leadership at that times mm. and um i sometimes from the his from our history textbook as well as newspaper you can see that people are partially denying the facts that happened the harm that happened in the cultural revolution mm. and that was so sad to see because it was it was a 10 uh, the, the activity last for like 10 years long and you can yeah. see how how many lives has been impacted mm-hmm. um during that revolution but now like people are kind of like denying the the harm and mm. trying not to yeah. retrospect to the, how it has profoundly impacted society and shaped yeah. what we live in now mm. and in terms of the generation anxiety that i mentioned in the first question when mm. speaking about the um the, the, the intense competition jobs competition yeah. and also the the trauma left with the right. e- economic development mm. i do see positive changes there because um again thanks to the development of internet i see yeah. more of more like platforms or like mm-hmm. people trying to be they're uh, trying to be calm and trying to not to do much growing amount of platforms. Like yeah. I see more and more younger people trying to stay calm and mm. just being being zen about the whole intense and meaningless competition because of marginal like diminishing productivity stuff like that. Yeah, it's very interesting because there's a internet like popular word in China mm. called. It means like Buddha, mm. and it's just like younger generations are trying to be like Buddha and fool, like and yeah. they're in their age, and they just want to uh, be economically dependent, mm. and that's probably all. They don't want to get into the meaningless composition, and I yeah. think that's a positive change because people are free themselves from the perception that the society shaped them in, and they yeah. are trying to pursue their own lives, which is kind of like, um, which is. I feel like from my own experience, mm. I feel like, what should I say? The Western world, <laughs> the liberal democratic <laughs> world. <laughs> they, we have the same anxiety, but yeah. the liberal democracy world has kind of progressed in this way mm. uh, than the Asian, uh, East Asian countries. Mm. Because because the, let's say, Western countries mm. has been hashtag developed yeah very <laughs> i'm really be aware of the sensitive yeah. words i'll use <laughs> it's quite funny that's quite I, a good way to put it hashtag developed yeah and um it's just because like people I, I i can see people having less pressure on their you know 
economic condition and mm. all these like despite it not be, might not be true for example um i have a french friend and yeah. he ha- she said like his father is happily to have a uh wait let me structure wor- my word yeah, sorry true, yeah so i have a french friend and mm-hmm. uh we were talking about our family uh yeah. previously and he said like he has a younger brother uh wait older brother who mm-hmm. has been a bus driver right. and he's his 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 father is so proud of that because mm-hmm. his older brother is just loving to go with cars and yeah. ju- just love love to drive and yeah. this is his dream job yeah. and that's not never going to happen in china like if you mm. if you're a bus driver like no you won't <laughs> <laughs> just no yeah you can just disappear from the whole this yeah. whole big family and yeah. not coming in spring festival stuff wow <laughs> <laughs> well it was it was honestly too hard but mm. it was not the kind of collective expectation on younger mm. generations like yeah. people want to do p- want you to be a banker be a lawyer be yeah. whatever but yeah. and I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> Sophie I'm kind of interested mm. in how you think the UK has experienced generational trauma yeah it's interesting because having studied media you really sort of view how like people consume media and maybe the stuff that they're consuming has an impact on them so mm-hmm. I would say um there's a lot there used to be a lot of british tv shows mm-hmm. that um had racism in it or mm-hmm. sexism and at the time it was considered normal you know that's just how things mm-hmm. were and nowadays you know a lot of broadcasters the bbc streaming services they've now put warnings in front of those saying this may have negative stereotypes yeah. things like which i think is important yeah and people who complain and say oh we, you don't need that blah 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 it's only one short little like five second exactly. thing at the beginning why bother it's not it's not impacting <laughs> you in any way um you can still watch them exactly you can still watch it and i yeah. think it's the more yeah, it's interesting British society because obviously there used to be back in the 1800s, mm-hmm. we were the British Empire, mm-hmm. you know, we had so much control over so much of the world. I think at the peak, it was like a third of the world mm-hmm. was like controlled by Britain. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a theorist called um, Gilroy, who mm-hmm. I studied back at A-level, uh, post-colonial theory, mm-hmm. where apparently according to him his theory is that british people are Mm -hmm. in like a state of mourning Mm -hmm. for the empire that they lost even if you weren't alive during the british empire Mm -hmm. particularly white british people you know people who've immigrated in they're not you know they haven't they're not going to have this experience Mm because you know they don't care about the british empire (laughs) you know they have their own collective experiences Uh from their countries but there's something to be said about like British people and still thinking like they're the best uh-huh. and they think that you know we're perfect when really yeah I, f- I think it's getting better I uh-huh. think it is because I know I've had conversations with my friends I come from an area in the UK mm-hmm. Surrey which is very white mm-hmm. and it's very homogenous like mm-hmm. everyone it, I can I can count on like two hands out of my whole year group at secondary school how many oh. people were not white <laughs> and British uh-huh. you know there were really not that many people mm-hmm. so I was very used to growing up mm-hmm. to just seeing people like me mm-hmm. and people who spoke like me mm-hmm. and it wasn't until um, really it was sort of it's sort of like a semi-culture shock when I came to university mm-hmm. because here at Warwick mm-hmm. yes you're on a campus but you're very close to Coventry and Coventry is very diverse yes in terms of the amount of people that live there um, mm-hmm. coming from different uh, yeah different countries all mm-hmm. over the world and so I was like wow I was like I'll go onto campus and I'll hear all these different languages. Yeah. And it's amazing because I would say if I hadn't, if I'd maybe gone, for example, to my insurance choice for university, which was Exeter. Mm-hmm. Exeter is notorious for being very white, very oh, British, uh, very mm-hmm. posh, stuck up, you know, a lot Stop of Tories there, oh, conservatives. Yeah. Um, and it makes me wonder if I'd gone to a different university, whether I would have questioned some of the stereotypes that I have mm-hmm. I wouldn't have maybe made friends with just um with people from different uh, countries I know my friend at Exeter mm-hmm. I was asking her I was like oh I was like so have you met ha- are you friends with people from different countries she was like mm, no I don't really know that many people from different <laughs> countries mm-hmm. and that's what blew my mind because I would say I know more people who are not white at uni now <laughs> yeah. than are white yeah it's um yeah it's it's really it's opened my eyes I'd yeah, say as it- a British person coming from a privileged background i would say i just can't imagine like suddenly such a big change and all international seasons because i'm kind of getting used to it because um wait because i'm having a sixth form education back in china and um first of all it's kind of environment uh, 
like international and mm-hmm. we are just being educated to embrace an international yeah. heart it's just in the ethos of the school where yeah. you have to be a global citizen and stuff yeah. like that you know <laughs> metropolitan stuff yeah. and um it's kind of interesting to see how um we have similar prop uh, similar encounters for mm-hmm. example for me like even though you're in Warwick it's very yeah. international diverse yeah. but still like because the amount, amount of Chinese students here, you can still only make Chinese friends. Yeah. It's totally fine. And mm. it's sometimes because cross-cultural conversations mm. can be very interesting. Yeah. But when you put it into, you know, lecture format, it's just mm. like every time you go to lectures and it's mm. just so, like, what should I say? So less space for you to actually talking something mm. very deep like what are we are talking about today yeah and sometimes it's just and if you're talking about superficial things like yeah. you know what's what's your pop culture like <laughs> what's your favorite like rock star stuff like that yeah. and yeah. different cultures answers will be so different that we can't really discuss it very deeply because mm. interested in different things given yeah. the natural variety of culture we have mm. And I think that's very interesting to see how, despite yeah. we coming from cultural back, different cultural backgrounds, mm. we ha- we we have this sentiment yeah. for similar topics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Would you say? I would say, in my experience as a media student, I'm very aware of all the social platform, social media platforms <laughs> that are around. I would say, out of like all the platforms that I've I've been on, or mm-hmm. I'm currently on, TikTok mm-hmm. has been the one that I think has sparked the most conversation mm-hmm. about generational trauma. Oh. I feel like um, it might just be my for you page. You know, <laughs> maybe it says a lot about me. <laughs> but a lot of the time, my um, my algorithm recommends me stuff from therapists mm-hmm. or, um, you know, what is a healthy relationship to have and things. Oh. And sometimes it can get a bit too much because sometimes mm-hmm. I'll go on TikTok and it feels like I'm just getting a therapy yeah. session. Over and I'm like, no, I just want my <laughs> entertainment. I just want to see, like, um, cats doing silly yeah, things. Exactly. I'm not asking to, like you know think about my past and things like that <laughs> but um compared to other platforms where like for example instagram you have to choose to follow people yeah. and youtube the algorithm is very different to tiktok mm-hmm. tiktok if you so much as like like something mm-hmm. the algorithm will pick up on that and it will suggest you more content yes. in the future yeah so you're sort of curating your own feed yes. but you don't necessarily have to be following anyone to curate it but I do feel like YouTube and Instagram are evolving to the same trend. They like, are. They have Because they have the shorts and the reels. Yeah, the shorts are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's possibly hard for exam seasons because mm. I really want to get rid of the shorts and they are killing my attention span. But yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I just want to see silly cats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd say that... Um, particularly for me mm-hmm. you know the stuff i've seen on tiktok has helped me the most oh. out of all social media in terms of evaluating mm. um my own relationships and sometimes you know you've got to take the advice on there with a pinch of salt yeah. because um it's just p- other people giving their opinions you know yeah. they're not necessarily qualified <laughs> you can only go oh yes that's completely correct yeah. or it can be very very wrong mm-hmm. as you know we've seen with like the rise of andrew tate mm-hmm. misogynist and mm-hmm. the impact he's had on young boys what he's saying is absolutely awful but mm-hmm. for young young boys who don't really have much of like awareness about what is like the right and wrong things Mm -hmm. to think about women they're just going to go for that so yeah so i'd say like tiktok especially hasn't had an impact on how people think about generational trauma because that's interesting because i don't have a tiktok but Mm. i i do watch short shorts yeah (laughs) disclaimer (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not only like reading you know newspapers or mm. reading books and stuff yeah. and I do feel like for me the more platform that I'm talking about generational trauma is with my friends like we yeah. always talk about what we experience um, in deep night <laughs> 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 because yeah. I feel like so- the thing about social media is because it's kind of like anonymous so you mm. can share whatever you want and yeah. that can be a pros and that can be a cons depends yeah. on what things you say anonymous Definitely. but still like um, I haven't been trying to use short videos to kind of like uh, detecting my my tr- my potential trauma and stuff, but I think they're mm. very interesting because yeah. more and more I I tend to share my experience with more closer friends, mm-hmm. and because I think again that's more intimate yeah. experience. That's why, exactly. but like yeah. that was very interesting to see how, see how shorts can actually improve our living quality because more and more I see articles criticizing shorts about mm. its damaging on attention yeah. span yeah. which is true yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the attention economy as mm-hmm. they call it now um 
yeah so let's just sort of wrap up this episode by considering maybe how we can create a more supportive and healing environment um, for those who have experienced generational trauma which although um, there's not any large scale research studies about how many people mm-hmm. have experienced it we can say it's a vast majority of people will encounter it at some point in their lives mm-hmm. um, how, can we, yeah, how can we create that healing and supporting environment both within families and within society at large um, I think that's going to be very different from UK and China. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for 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 the cultural revolution of thing, I do feel like because it's very cultural specific in China, mm. I feel like uh, I I was once heard about a a kind of like what did I say, um, a rising trend mm. for the German uh, for the German Z generate Gen Z Gen Z, Gen yeah. Z younger yeah. people to retrospect what their parents were doing back in the World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kind of retrospective activities were were kind of like it was I, I shouldn't say it was very deep it was mm-hmm. it was insightful and I think that it is kind of thing that we can we can kind of implicate in China's environment because mm-hmm. the way how our leadership can easily erase or deny the existence of past yeah. makes the efforts of memory uh, of memorizing what's true truly mm. happens so important yeah. and that's the thing that i think is particularly important for our uh, for our generations and also in terms of the generational anxiety mm. in terms of uh, you know economic freedom and stuff or yeah. being prestigious in the society the kind of east asian pressure yeah. um i do feel like we have to like we as gen z students if you are yeah <laughs> <laughs> of course if you're not gen z then <laughs> yeah you know. still you're invited to like say no yeah. to to your parents i think that's particularly a thing for for chinese society especially because mm. we have indulged in a uh, confucian style of uh, cultural mm. been so long that you can't really reject the or you not really you can't but like because of the natural patriarchal design of the society yeah. it's really hard for you to reject the opinions from your subordinates yeah. Whatever is no sorry, Savon is is from your seniors. Yeah, seniors, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they're they definitely like class with like ages, ages or even sexes. Like mm. I would say that you have to sort of find the key to communicate with the the seemingly more senior people around. For example, your parents, mm. or teacher, to find yeah. a way to truly communicate with them mm. and tell them who they are. Yeah. Oh, and sorry, not tell them who they are, but <laughs> who tell are them you? who are you. <laughs> <laughs> so basically tell them who are you and who do you want to do you have Mm. to sort of find your own path before you are trying to sort of convincing to anyone else or just declare to someone else Mm. to declare that you kind of reject the 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 pressure that Mm. aren't from your stems from your own goal that shouldn't be affecting you anyway but just because of the societal design that you're just Mm. naturally being affected yeah i think that's very the the rejection the attitudes of um solidarity is very important in 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 terms of overcoming distress Mm. yeah what about what about yeah i mean that that was a really good answer (laughs) i don't know if i can follow up with that and english is my first language so it's sort of embarrassing (laughs) for me um yeah i'd say in the uk you know the uk is like one of the biggest economies in the world Mm -hmm. uh, especially for its size and so i feel like a lot can be done Mm -hmm. and a lot of it i think comes down to how much the government wants to um assist in that and i again i'm sort of reluctant to say that under the current government we're in which is rishi sunak as prime minister Mm -hmm. the conservatives Mm -hmm. are in charge they don't have a very strong you know history of supporting you know um this sort of like i say like mental health Mm -hmm. sort of healthcare. obviously it's amazing we've got the nhs here in the uk (laughs) but they're not going to think about putting any extra funding towards that Mm -hmm. so i think in order for there to be change within society on like an institutional level we need different people in government because at the moment the Mm -hmm. government is just not competent enough Mm -hmm. to sort of establish anything that is worthwhile and beneficial for everyone Mm -hmm. they're sort of spending their money in the wrong places Mm um but we can still make impact as a society in the UK without the government. So much positive impact can be made. Mm-hmm. And um, there are charities around the UK that are set up um, to support people. I actually can't name any right now, but I know there are probably grassroots organisations out there mm-hmm. that are about supporting maybe people from economically disadvantaged backgrounds mm-hmm. who maybe have parents who've 
incurred some sort of generational trauma on them where they can support them mm-hmm. um as a society we can still make a lot of impact without the help of the government there's some amazing charities out there like the prince's trust um they're a youth charity that helps young people aged 11 to 30 get into jobs education and training and I feel like, again, there's a lot of support out there for young people, but young people don't know how to find it. And social media has helped that in a way because people are discovering things that maybe they wouldn't have if social media didn't exist. Definitely. But there's still a long way to go. You know, I feel like the era that we're in where the internet is like ever present, mm-hmm. you're sort of have to go and do do your own research yes. in order to seek out that help and those resources. Mm-hmm. And depending on who you are as a person, you may not feel comfortable yeah. you know having to do that sort of research yourself um and yeah i'd say in terms of like how we can create a healing environment within families mm-hmm. just starting that conversation it's really difficult because every family has its own different dynamics yes. and but maybe just choosing to talk with the person in your family that you feel most comfortable with mm-hmm. so for example that would probably be my brother mm-hmm. um because again he's experienced what i've experienced growing up we've had conversations i'd say in the past about it um and because we're obviously both the same generation gen z Mm -hmm. we both have that same open perspective talking about our mental health and things Mm -hmm. whereas talking to my parents it'd be a bit more of a challenge Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting that we've come so far as a society in terms of talking about you know our emotions and trauma and things but there's still long way to go and whether that will get better in the future just off like people taking action um yeah something to be seen i think that's very interesting for you for for, we have a common observation that gen z is more keen on like spiritual or i should say mental awareness in terms of their mental health and all this generational trauma i Mm. think that's very interesting because uh sometimes we as young people can even lead our stu- uh, our parents to retrospectively looking back into their lives and mm. to be aware of the potential trauma that may they may have in their past life. Yeah, and it's kind of becoming a trend, uh, at least among my friends yeah. and me, because I feel like I feel like is that because the stage of economic development where our gen- our parents' generations were just like rushing for life and mm. just you know the economy was in the booming sessions like yeah, everybody yeah. is just striving for their own goods and yeah. for their for just strive for life actually and we yeah. we're kind of lucky because mm. both of us are living in kind of like economically abundance background yes, where yeah. we don't have to really thinking about like what's like how should i feed myself with ne- next month like yeah, the kind exactly. of like question yeah. I, i'm sure people are still struggling with this of course yeah and yeah. yeah. in the wider world but mm. at least for two for, for us two yeah. we can we we have the kind of capacity for us yeah. to think ourselves as a human mm. and to think about our mental aspects and mm. how we can heal ourselves where yeah. our parents just simply don't get a chance because their generations have their own what should I say? Their own common experience mm. and their co- common trauma. So yeah. I think, th- in in a sense, I feel like our Gen Z are kind of lucky because we got yeah. more resources for free in yes. the internet yeah. and all these kind of discussions, exactly. interesting discussions with the yeah. technology. Yes, thank yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness, technology <laughs> thank exists goodness, yeah. because yeah, I'd say that's one of the main the main things that yeah instigated these conversations around generational trauma. But yeah, I'd say that about wraps up the mm-hmm. episode today it was mm-hmm. lovely talking to you um Me i feel too. like i've learned so much about you know chinese culture and like yeah it's just it, it's in so the one hour yeah one hour <laughs> like a chinese culture full pack <laughs> yeah. all for free <laughs> but yeah thank you so much thank you sophie